Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday, and thank God we have a Stanley Cup final to discuss. It is the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. Uh, media Day virtually is going to happen a little later this afternoon, uh, but we're very thankful to have Kevin Allen for our, our, his normal Friday uh, afternoon appearance. Uh, Russ, go ahead with the pre-show. Yeah, so I saw the other day that my phone had updated to iOS 14, and for some reason, I had this great thought like, hey, they on my on my one of my pages, you know, on what they scroll through. There was a nice new thing that said, you know, translate and speak. Right. Something like that really looks great. New logo. I'm like, you know, what if they finally did this right? And I could start doing that for, you know, my hockey books and other things. And so I go in it and the phrase that I came up with to test it was like Wayne Gretzky gets the puck, he stick handles down the ice, and he goes around a defender, and he scores on a back on a wraparound. That was what I said. This is what came out. Wayne Gretzky gets the pocky, stick candles, he moves down the ICD, which is all capitalized. He gets and and gets and he gets around, and that's where I cut it off. It just stopped. And so I I sent out a tweet to. Uh, to, to Apple and, and basically Apple and Android, because Mike was telling me they don't understand the word puck. So I'm yes. going to make a plea here and say, with all the updates that we're getting on our phones all the time, can you please make the word puck audible? That would really help us all out. Yeah. And here's, and here's the other thing. Okay. I, I, I freely admit that I have a sore mouth and when I'm when I'm driving, I will I will text using the voice recognition software on my phone. If I drop an expletive in the text, it will go F dot 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 or F star star star. It will edit it out. It's like it's got parental controls on it. It, it will not say a swear word in the printout. What? It's like hockey buzz. <laughs> well, 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 apparently on Wednesday, I, I just by happenstance dropped, as surreptitiously dropped the F-bomb. First time I've ever done that. I was just heated in my discussion or whatever it was. But but no, but it's like, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, I'm, you know, it's like, uh, did George Carlin program this for Android? <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it. It's like, I mean, you know, okay, it, it's not... It's it's vulgar, but it's not like it's it's in the dictionary, so it should be able to be picked up on voice recognition software. If I want to say shit, I should be able to say shit. Well, I Fair think enough. the translate app, though, Ross, if I'm not mistaken, I've I've just started playing with iOS 14. Also, that's more so to go from English to another language or another language to English, as opposed to the text to speech, which is kind of what you seem to be doing. Well, I mean, I just tested it that way. There is a dictation thing there, but I don't have any hope it's going to be any better. Yeah, but for the puck, it puck is a word that I'll have to check it out. I thought when yeah. I've done it, it's done it because I've dictated in the past, but I don't remember. Or I haven't done it in a while. Yeah, it no. always comes out puck or uh, you know pucked or some. You know, it never comes out puck. Like you know, it, and it's not like Russ or I are saying the word incorrectly or with an accent that right. we pick it up. So anyway. What are your thoughts on this, Kev? <laughs> um, it works on mine. Um, I have a, uh, you know, an iPhone, and I, I, it always picks it up for me. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it is the accent. Maybe uh, Midwest, uh, my iPhone is uh, 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 sensitive to a Midwest accent. 
Um, I didn't even know I had an accent, by the way, until I got my first job out of college in Arizona. And you'd go to the bar and people would have me talk um, just because they just thought it was funny. And that I sounded so silly. So well, one of one of the hooks when I was a caller to Toronto radio as Mike in Buffalo in the in the late nineties was the fact that I had my Western New York accent, which I can't hear because obviously right. yeah. you know, and up in Toronto that my voice was distinctive. And the funny thing is that it shouldn't be distinctive in Toronto because they always got Buffalo television and Buffalo radio. So they were used to hearing like a Western New York accent, but I, I don't know. Maybe it was just, it was the fact that at that point I was a Leaf fan yeah, talking with a Buffalo accent calling Toronto radio. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Ross, why are you talking okay. to me? I created a note. I know she did get puck right on notes. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've I've got a pre-show thing. I you know I've talked before about always in life, especially as as you grow older and when you're at my age, there are certain things that remind you just how old you are. Mm, yeah. And um, uh, I remember the first time I realized how old I was was uh, I mean it really kind of hit me was a press release that the Buffalo Sabers put out when they hired Harry Neal, and the 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 top sentence was Harry Neal comma seventy one comma. And I thought, my God, I I interviewed Harry Neal when he was one of the youngest coaches in in professional hockey. Like I did, I did that story, and now all of a sudden he was like seventy one. Now Harry's in his eighties. But yesterday I was reading a story um, about Ali McGraw, and they said Ali McGraw comma eighty one comma. Yeah. And I went, holy cow, love story. So I had to look yeah. up Ryan, yeah. Oswald, and he's he's going to be eighty this year. So, you know, the people from Love Story, which is, you know, right in my wheelhouse yeah. from, uh, you know, growing up or in their 80s, like, holy cow. Like, how, I saw how it. That I, was a little, I was a little young, but I saw the movie. And so I even I feel like, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. But let's let's talk some hockey. Yeah. Right? All right. Stanley well, Cup final. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, September 18th, 2020. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. By the way, I see Harry Neal at Sabre games. I still see Harry Neal up in the press box, and he's still pretty funny. He's yeah. Even in his 80s. Hilarious. He's still, uh, yeah, he's still yeah. yeah, I want to be as funny as Harry Neal is in, even in his 80s. So. Yeah, I want to be alive when I'm in my 80s. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> okay, let's start with the game last night. Uh, as I said, now we have a Stanley Cup final, Tampa Bay and Dallas. Uh, the Lightning had a little difficulty finishing off the uh, the New York Islanders who were who were fairly game in this series, but I, I, don't think, I thought the cream rose to the top uh, in this series as the Lightning win 2-1 to one in, in, in overtime uh, after a uh, Anthony Sorelli goal. Uh, they finish off the, the Islanders in six games. Kev, um, the only thing, and we'll talk about the matchup of the Lightning and the Stars, but the only thing I would be concerned about if I was John Cooper with uh, the Lightning is the fact that their two top centers without Stamkos, Braden Point, and Anthony Sorelli are going to be going into the Stanley Cup final dinged up. Now, yeah. everybody's dinged up at this point, but, you know, Sorelli left the game yesterday, then came back and scored the winner. Point was nowhere close to being the impact player that he was uh, before the injuries. So this is a concern for Cooper. Yeah, I, I think so, especially when we have no idea when the Stamkos is coming back. Although, you know, what I've said all along about it is if he, they thought 
he um, had no chance of coming back. He would not have entered the bubble. Right. Um, so they really do think that he has a shot, um, or he would have left the bubble. Um, you know, at some at some point, if if, it, if the situation, you know, got worse. But, uh, I you know, Braden Point is so important uh, to that team right now. And even if Stamkos was there. Um, you know, we'd be saying the, the same thing. Like, for as good as he is, I think he's still underrated. Like, yeah. I don't think people really have caught on about what a significant uh, difference maker he is on this team. And, um, you know, even with the, you know, the injury he now has, like, he's still the favorite to probably to win the Con Smythe. Although, I wonder if the narrative might change, you know, when people sort of, look hard at Vasilevsky's numbers. And, you know, I, I think because he's so steady and there's no ups and downs and we're not discussing, you know, whether who's going to play goal for Tampa Bay in game, whatever, um, which has sort of been the norm in this postseason, that we've just sort of forgotten about him. That yeah, I don't good. even know if we've talked about a bad goal on this whole series. Like, No, I, and, and, you know, he's just so dependable and so strong. And, you know, we all recognize he's among the, you know, top probably three goalies in the league, if not number one. I, you know, I might have him number one at this point. I mean, um, him or Hedman. Hedman's. Yeah, and Hedman's there as well. But yeah, he's been good. But you know, just addressing that uh, series, like, like I, I thought this was absolutely the the, the 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 perfect test for Tampa Bay going into the finals. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Islanders just played exceptional in my mind, uh, the talent disparity, when you size those two rosters up, there's no comparison. Right. I mean, there really isn't. Like, and, and you know that by the fact that if the Islanders had won game six and then won game seven and then ended up winning the cup, like who would be your con smite trophy winner? Like, I don't even know who the best player has been on the Islanders. Probably, because- probably Brock Nelson. Well, uh, but, but, but there's but my point is it's right. not obvious. Yes, because right. the way they played, it was more like Barry Trotz was probably their MVP because of the way they they played. And um, I thought it was a great test. Like they played hard that whole game. You know, they they didn't really even have an offense even remotely close to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they found ways to get goals when they needed them. They were in game six. They could have won it. You know, overtime is the flip of the coin. Um, so I give them a lot of credit. I mm-hmm. I think the, the what's interesting to me about the Islanders is the, the journey to being a successful team is usually you get some talented players and then they work together to develop sort of a winning culture and the mentality required to be a successful team. Right. To me, the Islanders are almost doing it backwards. Like, I think they're still short a little bit in the talent department. Like, I think they yeah. need a few more guys, but they already have the winning culture. Like, they have the survival. They and they, they know how to be successful in the postseason. They know how to, uh, you know, they have that, uh, you know, that winning uh, mentality and, uh, um, you know, playing hard and hanging around in games and winning games they don't deserve to win. They've got that all down. I mean, right. how long did it take Tampa Bay Lightning to develop that? You know? Right. So, so, you know, the problem is, is I, you know, I looked at their cap situation, and you know, it's and and now now with the flat cap and the players they got assigned, they really don't have any way to go out and get the, you know, the couple of guys I think they need to be deeper. 
Well, this is the thing, and I was just I was just looking at that to ask this question to, to Russ and Jan. Uh, right now, the Islanders have six players making five million dollars or more at forward. Two players, they're probably their well, their most experienced. Probably after after this playoff, their two worst defensemen, which are Letty and Boychuk, making six and five point five million. It, you know, guys like Pollock and uh, Mayfield and Pellick. They they thrived in these playoffs. And Russ, I mean, in a flat cap situation, they they can't buy out Andrew Ladd because the contract was sign, mostly signing bonus, so there's no cap relief. And they can't buy out Boychuk for the same reason. So this is pretty much the roster they're going to have the next couple of years, minus any prospects that they have coming through the system. It is. I mean, one change they could make, even though he's a heart and soul guy, maybe because they have Johnston cheaper, they get rid of Clutterbuck. That will save them some money. I mean, at some point, they're going to have to do something like that. Having too many of those guys isn't going to help them. But, look, I mean, they, they played a great series. Brock Nelson was great. Like, if he could have buried that puck, Tampa would have been dead right now. Like, yeah. if that's how close it was. It was – I was happy that it was a close game. I couldn't tell you who was going to win yesterday. I told you. I was conflicted. But I, I, I had a feeling it would be close, even though Tampa did have some blowouts against the Islanders. And the Islanders played great. I mean, there's nothing you can nitpick about – it was a, a great season for them. Uh, you know, you'd like to see Barzell finish some more, but he was hurt. I mean, that's just the way it goes. I, I will say this. I mean, Tampa is a little banged up, and and going into the Cup, Dallas has had days off, where I do think that's a, a nice thing for them. So that's, you know, that's going to bode well. It is. And, Jan, just to, just to finish off on the Islander page here, Barzell's a restricted free agent, no arbitration. They have two defensemen, Pulak and Devin Taves, who are uh, arbitration-eligible RFAs, and they have little less than $9 million in cap space. I don't think that's enough for even, you know, the, well, by, even just for Barzell. I think Barzell on a long-term deal is probably going to get in the 8 to $9 million range. So somebody probably has to go off at of this roster for them to fit everybody in. Yeah, so let me talk series first, and then I'll get to the cap situation because I think yeah. they're intertwined. To a certain extent. So, as Russ said, right, if Brock Nelson buries that shot, I'll give the Islanders a ton of credit. I mean, Casey Sezikis missed the series with a detached retina, or he played part of it with a detached retina, which is amazing in its own right. They lost Pellet yeah, to a broken wrist. To they lost Pellet to a broken wrist in game five, which was an absolute huge loss. And yeah. they gave Tampa everything they can handle. Um, there's a couple things on Tampa. Obviously, the Anders Lee did the skids into, uh, into Sorelli, and Sorelli was able to come back and score the game winning goal, but he's banged up. Stamkos, I'd be shocked if you see him in the next series, even though he's hanging around and we know Point is banged up, which is why a couple things. First of all, I'm a bit surprised the NHL starting the finals on Saturday. I really thought they start Sunday. Um, a, because they have the time frame. B, selfishly, I can't watch game one now because mm -hmm. it's a Jewish holiday. And I'm a bit right. surprised they started on a Saturday night as opposed to Sunday because primetime on a Saturday night is clearly not the same on a Sunday on NBC. Sunday night nice football, though, that's the problem. I know that. But then having the back-to-back -back games also came as a big surprise because you did bake in a couple of extra days. There wasn't necessarily a requirement to have it, especially given that both teams are a bit banged up. So Tampa, as, as Kevin said, you know, Dallas may be a more talented offense version of the Islanders, but stylistically it's going to be the same type of thing. And you, you saw McDonough after the broadcast talk about the patience that Tampa had to show. Right, They couldn't break from their own structure. Because if they do that, that's when the Islanders kill you on the counterattack. And they've had opportunities, including Nelson yesterday, had it on his stick to try to win it. In terms of Barzal, I think the Islanders are going to try to get him on a bridge deal. I don't think they're going to be successful. And the one thing Barzal has to learn, which wasn't, which showed in the playoffs, 
he doesn't have to do everything himself, right? He tried to take over and do everything himself in terms of, but in, instead of incorporating the other guys, one guy that they're going to lose, it looks like, I don't know how they re-signed Matt Martin. Yeah. Matt Martin's value clearly spiked this series in this playoff. Yeah. Seeing how well he played, that he can be a little bit more of an offensive weapon than he's been in the past. So they're going to have a lot of decisions. And as you said, Mike, their inability to buy certain guys out because of the way they structure their contracts right. is going to be a major component in terms of who they try to be able to move. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be very interested. And I'm sure that uh, some fans in Toronto will be very interested and in sort of twiddling their thumbs watching the negotiations between Barzell and Lou Lamorello. And we know Lou's reputation in terms of being able to get players to take a little bit less. He, he's done that in the past. He did it with Morgan Riley and Nazem Kadri. And there was a lot of criticism, Kev, about Kyle Dubas not being not taking a hard line against Neilander and Matthews and Marner. Well, Lou's going to have to take a hard line against Barzil, and if he doesn't get Barzil on a, on a on a bridge deal, then I think all that criticism of Kyle Dubas is is misplaced because you have to pay these young guys what they're worth. There are very few teams now in this market that are going to be able to say to their star players, "Take a bridge deal." They don't do that anymore. Uh, I would agree. I don't know how they're going to get them to take a bridge deal, and probably yeah. they won't. I don't care if you're who you are. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's, you know, I'm sure they'll make an effort. Um, but, you know, why would you do that uh, if you're, you know, Barzil? So, uh, yeah, they've, they've got they've got some financial issues and that's going to that's too bad because, um, you know, if they had cap room right now, um, I could see them. You know, there are players out there that they could plug in that would make them, um, you know, a very strong Stanley Cup contender. I mean, um, I mean, but at the end of the day. They do save money in net. Bryce will be gone. Sorokin will be much cheaper than him. You can get rid of Clutterbuck, save three and a half. Three and a half is kind of high for Clutterbuck. That's, you know, if you could get rid of that, that might help. The uh, the thing with Barzil, you have to sign him because you're never going to get him cheaper. Yeah, right. You're never going to get him cheaper than this. Like if you wait and bridge him, they 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 will be paying sky high prices when that bridge ends. Even and if the reason why I say bridge is because you still have to resign Pulak, who's oh, no, I know. I know. also right, and yeah. that's another guy you're gonna have to figure out how to get under your cap. Now, granted, he's arb eligible, and you probably he's the guy you signed to bridge deal. But if you're talking three and a half mil a year, right, that's taking up a significant chunk of the available cap space you have, even if you move yeah. Clutterbuck. Well, here's, a, here's something to think about, though, guys. Like the history of Lou Lamorello is what you know. We know what Lou we know what Lou does when he comes into situations like this. Lou has Lou works these things out way ahead of time usually with people, and you know, I mean, we've seen it before. You know, he knows like I, the fact that he signed Pajot to the deal he signed Pajot to. When that happened, I thought to myself, well, he must have something figured out with Barzell. That's that's the first thing that came to my head because that was such a big, a big, a big, big a lot of a lot of money, you know, to go to Pajot. We all kind of expected that, but you know, and it's the kind of thing. I mean, just don't don't forget the Anders Lee, like the cautionary tale of Andrew, Anders Lee a few years ago when, you know, he wasn't signed, he wasn't signed, he wasn't signed. Yeah, but they had $17 million in cap space after right. Tavares left, so it's a oh, different and, and, and granted, yeah, and granted, like, you know, when he signs Peugeot, he doesn't know that we're going to have a flat cap. He doesn't know that we're going to take this, you know, there's there's things that have definitely changed since then, but I wouldn't yeah. be shocked. I like uh, Lou's style, too. I asked Kenny Danico about negotiations with Lou because he often – um, and that uh, used to infuriate some agents would just walk up to the player after a practice and start talking. Yeah. And, uh, and Danico was telling me about the contract negotiation that um, he thought was going to be heavy. And Lou walked up to him after practice and he had a, just a, 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 a post-it note 
He had a number and he had it in his palm and he just told me, he goes, will this work for you? And he said, yeah, probably will. Man, never, 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 never more lived up to his like mob boss type. Yeah. But I think this one's going to be different because this is sliding across the table. This is his franchise guy. He lost the franchise guy. They did yeah. give, they did finally come to terms with Lee. But the other thing that plays into this is with the new arena coming, they're going to hope that they're going to have fans in it to be able to make that extra money. So, you know, again, this is why I think they should sign him now and get him. And you know what? If, if, it, if it's going to hurt a little and it, then make it's going to hurt a little. But then when you open that new arena, that should help. But if you open that new arena and let's say Barzell just happens to say, I'm holding out or someone signs into an offer sheet. Then right. you're in worse shape. Right? Yeah, I mean, the thing. Sorry, Max. The thing with Lad also, right? So the Islanders, you would think that maybe could do a sweetener to move Lad, given the fact that a team that doesn't want to pay a ton of salary because part of it's been paid already, but needs the cap hit. The problem is they don't have a first and second round pick this year, and they don't have a second round pick next year, right. which impedes their ability. So they'd have to move a decent prospect in order to try to clear up the cap space that Lad's taking up on the yeah. on the available cap. Like a Wallstrom or a Bellows, or which something. is a big price to pay to move a guy I mean, like Wallstrom is scoring goals as we speak. Yep. So that's that's I a good see Bellows moved way before Wallstrom. And and, yeah. and 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 you have to say that probably um, you know if the one guy who might be a buyout possibility is a Thomas Hickey, although he had a signing bonus, so it it still would be uh you know they'd only save about seven hundred thousand dollars, but. Noah Dobson might be ready for the NHL. Oh, he's ready. I, I think so. That that would take up one of the spots. But so, you know, as as you all know, Eklund and I have a long uh, standing dispute about um, how viable uh, <laughs> offer sheets would be, and uh, uh, Ekl, you know thinks they they should be viable and could be viable, and I always try to explain why they never work and why <laughs> people won't do them. But um, as he know as he knows because I've told him this. Uh, GMs have told me in the last month or so, if there's ever going to be an off season where we're going to see multiple offer sheets, sure. it's going to be yeah. this. Now yeah. saying that I think Barzell is the wrong guy. And the reason I think he's the wrong guy is, you know, it, you'd have to offer him like 10 million or something in order to get him. And he's not worth 10 million. Like right. he would totally disrupt anyone's, you know, salary cap. Like he's a very good player and the others have to get him signed, but yeah. you know, he's not Kane. Um, right, he's not, he's, he's he hasn't not. shown, or he's not, you know. Uh, you know, I get him on nine a year, Kev. I do. Yeah, I, you know, I I think he's kind of an eight point five guy. But anyway, yeah. the, the the point of all that is, I do think we're going to see, uh, you know, some offer sheets, and but it'll probably be guys, you know, where the, you got to stretch like a million or two million. Like you'd be doing the Islanders a favor if you went in it. Nine million because uh, they would just. Well, what, if, what if they went nine by eight? I think the Islanders would sweat over that. Nine by seven. Oh, nine by seven. Sorry. I think I, they would yeah, I, no, I, I think they would just do it, and because you know they'd rather lose somebody else than him, right? Like, and, they, and that's oh, all yeah. that it will require them to do. They'll have they to tense that number where Lou says, "Ooh." And you're yeah. backloading. Are you backloading the contract also then? given the cap hit, right? So the cap's going to stay flat, but in terms of actual dollars, right, you're going to want to pay it out when you're generating the revenue, which won't happen until the arena opens and fans can go in the stadium. So you're likely, you're likely have an acceleration in terms of the salary after year three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but if you do want to make an offer sheet and you have an owner with deep pockets, you put that money up front. Right. Um, right. Just don't do it like, like Montreal did with Sebastian. No. Oh, that was, that was so idiotic. 
Yeah. You got to do like, it like the Flyers did it with Shea Weber. That's right. 34 million up front the first make it two, three years and, and that, do it that right. way. Make right. it painful. But the thing about it is, is, you know, that's the wrong owner to do that to. You know, like Carolina guy, like, you know, this wasn't someone who didn't have the money to pay. Right. With. I mean, there'd be, there would be no pain involved, even if you had front loaded that contract for him. Right. Yeah. You but, know. Uh, you know, on that contract, and I heard Burke talking about this recently on next time about that contract with Aho, they did everything to make with that contract. Like we, they went to the agent and, and the and Aho's agent said, this is what Carolina says is a non-starter for them. This is what they will not do. They will not do this. They will not do that. They will not do this. And Montreal went and did everything that that the that that, that Carolina said they would not do on that contract. Right, but at that point, and they did it. Right, but and, that, then, and then Carolina did it. Yeah, but, but, that, point, but that, that was clearly. But so you know, when, when Burke was talking about that, because someone said, "Was that just a waste of time?" And Burke said, "No, it wasn't a waste of time because they were doing everything." But at that point, act it was a one-on-one -on -one negotiation between Aho and his agent and Carolina. They never factored in the third party of an offer sheet because offer sheets are so are so rare. I mean, I know, but they said things that they cannot do, like not just not. Yeah. Do, they, they didn't want to do, but I, they would do. I, I dispute that. Okay. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I, 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 I uh, that's fair. I, you know, I, I trust Brian Burke, but I, I don't, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, 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 you know, that's just what I heard him say. That's what he said on XM. Um, yeah, no, totally. Um, so we're, I mean, middle, mid range offer sheets are another thought, you know, like, yeah. The, that to me is, a, yeah. that to me is a, a better option here, right? That, that, yeah. That is, and, I, and I think that could, that could happen. There are guys out there and everybody's tight. And, you know, if you, um, uh, Mike, who's the guy that I, you and I talked about, Mike? Um, Micaiah. You talked about Micaiah. Then yeah, I, yeah, the forward. So, right. yeah, like if you offered him four million dollars, you know that, well, that that would hurt. I might get him. Yeah, it might it might get him. But I, I like I said, I I, I was hesitant on that one because I there is a relationship there between the Leafs and and, and Mikhaev through Daniel Milstein, and I think you know they'll they'll reach some sort of accommodation. But I'll give you I'll give you one. And you know, Ak always just said, you know, like says to me about about Buffalo, not not to be too mean to them, but with the Pagula situation, with the Pagula situation, with their they're basically having an internal cap. I wonder whether Sam Reinhart is ripe for an offer sheet because they're not going to pay anywhere close to eighty one point five on the cap. They have a ton of free agents. He's a restricted free agent. He he's two years away from unrestricted free agency. I believe that the Sabers, at best, are going to offer him a two-year bridge deal and say, "Okay, you can go to UFA." If there's a team out there that's willing to sign him to a four or five or maybe six-year offer sheet, I think he's. I think he would be amenable to going someplace else. Yeah, if I was signing an offer sheet for Reinhardt, I would go seven by five. And yeah. I don't think the Sabers would match that because because they're not going to be able to with paying Jeff Skinner nine million dollars. Yeah, he's a twenty five. I, I, I think they would match seven by five. Yeah, I did. Okay. The five is you know we're you know we're we're talking about an average salary in the NHL that's over two million dollars. So no, but they are tight. That's the only. No, problem. I know, and I understand that. But you know, for a guy who's on your top line, five million. You know, even even if you're going to go at seventy million, is that the rumor that they're they're gonna come in at seventy. Yeah, that's, that's the speculation that they, yeah. you know, that Kevin Adams was asked, you know, about uh, budget, and he he evaded the question because they don't want to let anybody know who how much they're gonna be able to spend or willing to spend. The, the you know you always have to look at it in terms of what I've learned through covering the league for years. Not so much about 
whether that guy's worth that, but who you'd have to get rid of in order to keep that guy. Yeah. And I would argue that there are guys on that team that are tradable that they'd rather lose than a right. guy who's playing on the top line. So right. I, think, I think they would match a five. You know what? The way they'd look at that is that's five million a year. I'm going to do that, even yeah. if it's seven years. Like like Bristol yeah. or or you know yeah yeah yeah. I mean I, okay. that's the, that's the way I would look at that. I mean they have they have they have a ton of free agents to sign Buffalo. As we talked about yesterday. Oh yeah, for sure. I, somebody somebody good's going to be traded. I mean. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. I mean, there are so many. And, and I think the one thing about the mid range offer sheets that I think is going to be tough this year is, is the fact that there are just going to be so many people out there that are UFAs that are, that are not getting signed. Like there's going to be a lot of mid range guys that the middle class is going to, is going to suffer, you know, in this. Speaking, speaking of which, Jack, there was a tweet uh, text today. I saw a tweet from Matt Kalman. Um, Joe Thornton's working out with Davos. He's deciding if he is going to sign with them or not. He's working out with the guys and skating with them, as he says. Yeah, which if you know, if you know Joe Thornton, I believe his wife is from Switzerland. He yeah. he, he played there. Yeah, he played there. Yeah, and Joe's just hanging out with the guys. Yeah, he's well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but, but Russ, based on that picture that we saw during during the yeah, uh, but he's skating out, now, Mike. Yeah, but you know, a lot of hockey guys go up and down like that. Yeah, like, of course. We saw it. We saw like you know. I don't doubt he'll get in shape. I mean, you should have seen, you know, Tim Thomas pictures, you know, in off season and stuff like that. I, uh, <laughs> I had to think with Joe Thornton's Davos story. Um, during the uh, lost season, I made a couple trips to Europe and did stories of athletes that were playing over there. And um, Davos is uh, obviously is a ski area, and it's up the mountain, and it's it's a little difficult to get there in the middle of winter. Uh, let me rephrase that. It's scary to get there. <laughs> you know, you're driving, and you know they don't have guardrails like uh, no OSHA regulations up there. Um, so anyway, I, I, I scheduled this interview to go see him, and uh, I go and I show up at the prescribed time um, after the game, and uh, he doesn't show up. And I talked to the PR guy, and they got him on the cell, and his family was in town, and he just forgot. So I had gone all the way to Davos. Well, you know, I had an, I also had an interview with Rick Nash set up, and I saw Rick and and uh, I uh, started talking to him, and I told him what happened, to Joe. He goes, "Oh man," he goes, "He goes, that's that's horrible." Well, you know, I was expecting to get, you know, it's post game, they get five minutes. I ended up getting like a half hour with Rick Nash, who I think felt bad that that <laughs> inadvertently, and he just told me this great story about how. You know, over in Europe, uh, you know, they have these player of the game awards and they're always something odd, like, uh, you know, a bottle of booze or uh, a, uh, you know, television or something like that. And in uh, uh, Davos, the, the uh, player of the game got a pillow. And, and I started laughing. He goes, hey, don't laugh. These are great pillows, Rick Nash. <laughs> and he goes, he, goes, he goes, in fact, they're the best because they're one of our sponsors. They're one of the best pillows I've ever had. And he's, uh, Joe, Joe Thornton's got two of them. I only got one, and I have pillow envy, he says. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> I, shame. I, he gave me a great lead. That was a great lead to my story about uh, Rick Nash being in Davos and having pillow envy. <laughs> um, but uh, it was incredible. It's a, it's an old wooden arena. It's it's as picturesque as you can imagine playing. Oh, sure, around. I can imagine. So the, the lure of going out when you've got all the money that Joe Thornton, and, I, yeah, I mean to go over there and play in Switzerland at his age, just to hang out for a year and make some money. Yeah. And fans yeah. are crazy there if they're allowing fans. I don't know. It's like a paid yeah. vacation. It's um. 
or or he's just isn't, or, isn't or his wife from the area. I think wasn't that yeah, part yeah, of yeah. the his yeah. career to go there. That's been the whole yeah. discussion. Yeah, that means so this is like not. I mean, this is this is this is like basically we're going to be there anyway type thing. I might as well play hockey while I'm there and have some right. Fun. But if you're playing right. hockey and he's doing well, you know what's coming next. There, right. the uh, my favorite thing about the Davos game experience is the opposing team also brings their drummers too. <laughs> oh, so, they do. Oh yeah. So you just have this. It's sort of like a soccer match and. And other places in Europe d- d- do this as well, but I really remember it in Davos because the fans were totally into it. Is the fans call the goals there? So <laughs> what the the PA announcers will say, you know, in I don't know if it was French or German, I can't recall, but he'll say, you know, um, Davos goal by number seven, and then he waits, and the fans yell, "Who number seven is?" <laughs> Assist number twelve, and then he pauses, and the fans. The fans announced the goals, which I, I just that. thought was the coolest thing. I, I mentioned that to a bunch of team presidents. I said, you know, you guys have really missed out in the NHL. You should really have your fans announce the goals because it just was incredible, you know, to have the fans get so excited all over again. after. Uh, that's, that's so amazing. I mean, it brings yeah. everybody in. That's such a cool idea. Yeah. I saw one of the one game I saw in Switzerland was in Bern and Bern, Switzerland. And it was the funniest thing because like right outside the arena is what they call it the, is the burn bear pits. And uh, the bear pits are literally giant grizzly bears in a pit in the middle of the, in the middle of the center of the square. And they're out, you know, so, so you just walk into the square, you look down into this pit, like you think you're like looking into a fountain or whatever. And there's grizzly bears and they're all, tr- they've all been like, you know, trained, by just from people feeding them all the time that they do all these crazy tricks for you as you look down at them, you know, and then people are throwing them bread or throwing yeah, I don't them. trust grizzly bears. No offense. Oh, I know these, this is like, it's like the no. burn bear pits. It's hilarious. See, I, I would go out there with his computer. I would. Grizzly bears are bear faster. Bear. They're faster than you think. Yeah. Don't figure out, run one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me see. <laughs> Let me before we before we talk about the about the cup final and I mean I don't know if we want to yeah, make predictions but I, I wanted to ask Kevin because we should talk about some rumors out there and and some of the news that's been going on and Kev the epicenter of everything lately has been the Minnesota Wild um, you know first the the trade uh, with Pittsburgh for Bukestad then the one for one uh, uh, Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson now they announced that Miko Koivu. Uh, they're not going to re-sign him. So this is – Bill Guerin has been busy, and it sounds like he's going to continue to be busy because now all the speculation is about Matt Dumba and them trading for what they're asking for, which is a top-six center. I don't know if they're going to get that for him, but what, what do you think of the changes that Minnesota's made? Well, I mean, first of all, they're expected. And, uh, you know, I, I really am bullish on Bill Guerin as a uh, – a general manager. I, I think he did it the right way. He learned as an assistant. He, you know, didn't expect to go from player and, uh, you know, get a team. He wanted to go and serve kind of an apprenticeship and he's done all that. He's learned the ins and outs of it. And, you know, how long have we been saying on this um, program and others about something is wrong with yeah. the Minnesota wild. That's yeah. hard to put your finger on. And it's a chemistry slash culture slash confidence uh, issue with that team. And he's clearly addressing that. Uh, yeah. You know, he's moving people out. He's changing the leadership. Um, you know, he's bringing in the, 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 the players he believes in. Uh, obviously, Brodeen ha- has to be among them because he rewarded yeah. him with the, uh, yeah. with the deal. And now we're hearing, uh, you know, Dumba is going to be move, moved out. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little surprised of the, of the stall trade. I, you know, stalls played pretty well for them 
although this year's numbers were down a little bit. Um, but saying that, um, you know, it, you, you got, it, it, it's not easy to trade guys like Ryan Suter or Zach Parisi if that's yeah, what right. you want to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're going to change it up. So, I, I, you know, I've been impressed. And, you know, he just said publicly in the last 48 hours that uh, um, he's not close to being done. Well, I, I, I believe him. So, you know what I like about That um, Miko Koivu won't be back. Um, right. By the wild. It was just kind of, um, you know, the way he'd always talked in the past about Koivu was that, you know, be up to Koivu. And um, basically, uh, you know, he had he had that sort of mentality. And I, I don't know if he changed that mentality or if he, or if, you know. Well, it seemed like Koivu knew. So they obviously had a conversation. Yeah, they, they must, you know, maybe Koivu, you know, maybe. Obviously, they did figure something out. But That's I, what I, I like about Garanek is that yeah. he's been upfront with players. So you don't hear any complaints. He basically told everybody where they stood right when he got there. And, and you know, and that meant Stalock getting the job and other things happening right away. They yeah. looked pretty good when they played under Garen. And so, you know, I mean, that's all you could ask for as a player. At least he's being upfront and honest with everybody. And basically, he has probably told everybody exactly where they stand. He's probably told everybody who he's go potentially going to deal. And nobody's going to be shocked if they get dealt. I mean, I know Stahl said yeah. – People have said that Stahl was surprised. Yes. But, you know, again, I, I think the way Garen's been operating, I don't think anybody on that team should be surprised if they get traded. Yeah. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about Bill Garen to sort of explain his personality. And it goes to um, – uh, you know, when Bill Guerin came up and Keith Kachuk came up, where America was in international hockey, like they had some, you know, top players in the 80s. They had the Pat LaFontaine okay. and they had, um, you know, other players. Chris Chelios had come along. Neil Broughton. You know, yeah, um, Neil Broughton. They hadn't, they, Leach is really part of the right. Guerin generation. But yeah. when they started to get all those top players, every time they'd played Canada, they'd get nowhere because when the puck went in the corner, they didn't have any big, strong guys. Right. And that had, was talked about all the time yeah. until Keith Kachuk and Bill Guerin showed up. And then everything changed. <laughs> I, I have said for years that what changed USA's, uh, you, you know, um, reputation in the international community was Bill Guerin and Keith Kachuk. Yeah. Because when they joined the team, when the puck went in the corner, the Americans had a real good chance of coming out with it because Garen yeah. would go in and he was relentless. Yeah. You know, he had speed. He could skate he anyone. Too, yeah. He was strong. And he played on a line with uh, uh, Mike Madonna and Keith Kachuk. And I remember Madonna said, you know, those guys just harassed him the whole game to get him to, you know, play, you know, a little bit even more physical than Mike, you know, really wanted to play. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just think, He's long been a leader, along that believes in himself and his uh, uh, ability to get things done, and I think that's carried over in the management. Yeah, he's a total leader, and and he knows what he wants from a leader. And I think he also, I mentioned this yesterday, it was, he comes from the Lamorello school too, a little bit of that concept of you know wanting the core, wanting there to be a core leadership group. And I think what he wants, he wants that group to form without the guys that could get in the way of it forming. You know, nothing against Koivu or or Stahl. But just you know, they're big people. They're big. They're big. They're they're great, positive people. But they're also they also take up a lot of the room. You know, they just and I think that they can hold people back. And I think you see some of the young players coming, and he wants them to be be part of that group. And and like you said, Parise and you know Parise and Suter are, are tough to deal with as far as that goes. They can't move them out necessarily. They tried. I mean, they almost moved Parise out last year. 
but you know, I mean, luckily Parise had a good year. I mean, he really did. Yeah, no, and, and they're both great players, but they're also, you know, but personality-wise, they're different too. So yeah, it, but it could be worse, right? With I mean, if Parise oh, yeah, had yeah. a bad back again. I mean, that would make it even worse. Yeah, I know that. I mean, if you know, definitely. But I, I think that they, to come up with that perfect set of you know leaders that are going to carry this team and give this team identity, which it's never really had. Yeah, I think that's what he's trying to do. I think he's. Yeah. Now, Kev, uh, in the in the piece that you wrote on Hockey Buzz yesterday, you me- you mentioned a number of players who are you know. There's some speculation about one of them was Darcy Kemper. Yeah, um, there's a lot of chatter right now about about Arizona. Who, by the way, maybe we need to talk about the fact that they haven't paid the rent on the building in Arizona, and and they're trying to they're trying to defer the payment of the rent for the. Uh, uh, it was a jobbing.com or Gila River Arena. I don't even remember what the hell the name of it is anymore. But it, until when the season starts and there's a there's sort of a battle going on right now. So the the, 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 the fiscal issues with that franchise, even though a billionaire owns it, are still present. But there's a lot of talk about them wanting to cut back payroll-wise. They're right up against it with the cap. They have no draft picks. And Kemper, who had a great year last year, supposedly is on the block. Uh, I don't know how they improve if they trade their best goal. No, they don't. But, you know, if you look at it logically, and uh, I, I know that uh, teams have inquired about Kemper and they haven't been told no. Um, right. um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of interest in him. He he yeah. would be among the hottest goalies. He's $4.5 yeah. He's got two years left. That's the length of contract that, that uh, GMs are looking for in goalies. Right. Nobody right. wants to go three or four years or five years. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to try to cut to 10 or $15 million. Well, if you look at their roster, like I keep saying, well, they're going to try to move Kessel. I, I just don't see that happening. Right. Like, uh, who's going to take him? Yeah, you know, nobody. nobody. Yeah, nobody. I, don't, I don't see that happening. And, it, you know, there aren't a lot of guys that are, that are tradable. He is their most marketable, desirable player. And he's yeah. four and a half million. If you're going to try to adopt ten or fifteen million, right. you probably are going to have to move him. Even though I, I think they don't want to because he's crucial to their success. And how are they going to improve their offense? Right. Yeah. Well, the, the other the other name that's been mentioned frequently. Yeah. You didn't mention him in your piece, but it's been out there. Has been Oliver Ekman Larson. But again, okay, yeah. Ada, he's he's still great. He's eight making eight and a quarter million. He just I think it's, he's in year one of an eight year contract or it's now going into year two, you're going to take money back if you're trading for Ekman Larson. If you're if you're Calgary or you're Boston or whoever is interested in trading for him, they're going to have to trade you salary back. Nobody can take eight, 8.25 you know, just on their hands and trade you back prospects. So no matter what, they're going to have to take money back on some of these deals. Yeah, that's why I really, you know, I, I don't think he's their first choice to trade just because of yeah. what you mentioned. Um you know, I think they're going to try to, you know, if I had to guess, and this is just a guess, it's going to be like Kemper, and then maybe they can get rid of one of those defensemen that has one year left. Yeah, Armisen, yeah. Um, and that'll, get, that'll give them $10 million. And, uh, you know, maybe Grabner. Grabner always has some value. People he does. Like Somebody could always use him on the penalty. Yeah. Floor and get people, so if you, can, if you can move those three players, you got thirteen million down. Yeah, yeah, and then he's one. He's one year, so that's that's moving. yeah. I mean, the that, one that's positive, why he's marketable. So I think the other guy trying to move is Stepan. Also, one year left. Yeah, he's going to be tough to move five, too. Only five mil of salary. If you eat a couple of million, he could be a third line center for somebody at three mil, and you're saving some money that way. Not not ideal, 
if they don't yeah. want to lose somebody other day. I'm sorry, I didn't hear Derek you. Step on? Derek, Derek Stepan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they would love to move Derek Stepan. He really, they feel has really uh, deteriorated. Uh, yeah. In terms of his ability, but I that's going to be a hard move too. But you're right. I mean, if you take, uh, you know, like, wouldn't he be a good fit for the Pittsburgh Penguins as, as long as Arizona was willing to eat some of that? Center? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. a number three center. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. always looking for a number three. But goalies are like the last more. thing they should be moving. Like that's a, a no. team. Yeah, you're right. A team that's building and tr- trying to stay low on the cap. The only prayer they have to be competitive is a good goalie. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that it's just amazing to me that they would that they would be not saying. Yeah, that. it's a little shocking. The one thing I would say Ek, is, I mean, they'll probably be with the one team that does look for that goalie that doesn't get signed, like you said, because Ronta can't yeah, play. Four point five million is all he's making. I mean, I know. What are these guys? You're are you going to sign for? But you might be able to get one for three, and then you saved a million. You're saving one and a half million. I know, but that's that's what that's, we're looking that's at. Insane, but you know, Ronta, like Ronta can't play 45 games. Well, no, but, but Ronta, like one, one of the one of the teams that supposedly he's been interested in Kemper is Carolina, and it, we, we were talking about Reimer yesterday, where right. he's making eight hundred and fifty thousand. You're saving a lot. They're saving a, they're saving th- th- almost three million dollars for basically a one B to play with Ronta, and when Ronta gets hurt, he'll be the one A. Well, you don't have a Prosvetov in their in their system that's could play 20, 25 games if they like him enough. I mean, they would love to move Ronta, but nobody's taking on four point two five million dollars. No, nobody's touching. No, I mean, it, you're going to their goalie's going to be Ronta next year, and they'll have some eight hundred thousand dollar backup. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, it's possible that Carolina will trade both of their goalies. There is a market for both of those guys. There is. But, Ken, remember, we talked about this two weeks ago and you said you didn't think they would. Now it seems like they're checking. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's right. They, I think I was talking about Nashville two two weeks ago, actually. No, no, no. I was talking about Carolina. I I thought it wasn't a given. What the argument was that uh, somebody said uh, that you thought they lost. Um, because of their goaltending. That was yeah, me. I said it, yeah. and then Mike agreed with me, and right. maybe somebody else said it. I, I wondered what Carolina thought about that, and th- they did not believe that was the case. But right. saying that, they are going to look at their their options. So now the the name the name of the seven or eight players that you discussed that really piqued my curiosity was Jake DeBrusque because Jake DeBrusque seems like a Boston Bruin player yeah. they, that they would want to keep around. Uh, and, and as opposed to the guys that they acquired from Anaheim, where I thought Nick Ritchie was a complete and utter bust, and Kasha uh, didn't really—I mean, he had COVID and he had some other issues, and he didn't really—I I thought he did okay in the playoffs, but not great. DeBrusque has been a professional disturber throughout his career and is a pretty effective player, but it, it's a situation where they—they may—no—they may know that he, they have to pay him pretty soon, and they need to clear space to address other areas. Well, you know what it is. Too? They got to. They, they feel they got to pay him now. He wants to be paid now. Right. He's and, he's got limits offensively. Like he will reach a point. Well, and he'll be consistent with that point, and that's probably like he's a guy. Like if you pay him a little bit too much and expecting like a higher ceiling, I don't know if there's much more ceiling on him. And I think they have probably become a little frustrated with him. He's had a lot of scoring chances, and and he didn't bury them all this year. That, yeah. That's the thing. What Rush just said, you, he could have been a member of Boston management. Because <laughs> that, that really describes the whole situation. You know, they like him. He's productive. Um, but in terms of paying him, they don't want to overpay him. What, what you see may be what you get with him. 
right? Where, where when he's really having a good year, he'll get 20 goals. Um, and, um, you know, I think he had 27, like he's had 61 goals in three years. Yeah. Um, but he had 27 one year, I think 19 uh, another year. So, um, and I, you know, obviously they know what he wants. And I, I think that's why I've been hearing. Uh, I know there have been the teams that have inquired about him and um, they haven't been told necessarily. No, there's been some discussion because he is, you know, people view him as desirable. So, oh yeah, I mean, he look. There's a lot of things to like about him. There yeah. is. I I don't I don't actually get that by the way about why Boston would consider moving him. I think that one of their problems right now is they they don't have the depth that they've had before. And yeah, you know, as I mentioned, uh, I think the last show or two weeks ago. Yeah. Look at the ages on their guys. I I, I know, but I think they feel like they can move him because they can put Jet Stonika there and not really miss a beat. And right. I think they know that. And then you're saving yourself a lot of money. And if you if you've only dropped, let's say, three or four goals and maybe ten points difference, as is you know, as he, but he'll get better. He'll he might actually outpoint DeBrusque at some point. But just for this year, like they're saving a lot of money. Then it and it depends. That. It depends on how much confidence Russ that they have in Studnika and Trent Frederick and back and nine and they're losing some confidence. But Studnika, they have a lot of confidence. They play. Well, also, not not. I have a trainer I like to talk about, guys. If we can, gives you space to sign crew. Or potentially gives you more space. Yeah, not, not that that ship has not sailed yet, but if they want to try to stay in the game, they need to create cap room to do so. I think he's left. I think he's left Boston. Hall. I'm pretty sure that the, the door is closed, but maybe it's open a crack. Go ahead. I. So yeah, so I talking to uh, sources uh, sources I have in Calgary and two I have in Philly about this Johnny Gaudreau thing um, because I you know I've never written about it before. I've ever comes up every year. You know Johnny Gaudreau is going to return. Of course. Right. But you know, but this year is this is the first time it's really had some visibility to it that I think is possible. Uh -huh. um, and from you know, and and talking to people, this is a this is a deal that would they would want to do at the draft essentially. From what I was told, this would be a draft day deal. Um, and the the you know, Gossesbier is somebody Calgary likes. Calgary likes Gossesbier. It's possible that Calgary could take on Van Riemsdyk, which I thought was interesting. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, yeah. and, you know. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, um, but I, you know, both sides said that was possible, and it, you know, the Flyers would have to give up a really, a, a, a really good draft pick to make this happen as well. Um, and that that was sort of the starting ground. Now, you know, obviously there could be more to it than that, or you know, yeah, if they're going to eat that much salary and hope yeah. that these guys come around. You're giving up a first round pick. Yeah. You're giving up a player like I don't know Travis Konechny, or you're giving up a, a good defenseman like Myers or Sanheim. Like it's got to be somebody like that. I, yeah, I, mean, I think it's going to be between the year two offer. I think it's going to be yeah. a first round pick. I think it's going to be a very good prospect. You know, maybe Barabee uh, or your Barabee. Well, yeah, that would be Barabee and Bear, mm -hmm. and then maybe even a, another pick. Um, yeah. That's what I think it'll be. I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, although saying that, um, well, I, I, that's what I think it'll be. I think it'll be something like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, I think of including Van Riemsdyk in this is a bridge too far. Yeah, because, that, I thought so too. Um, that's why I was raising the price because taking JV. Well, no, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking the same thing. If, I mean, I believe me, I feel the same exact way. Like I was well, shocked. Well, let, let, I'll make one, I'll make one caveat. If 
the player coming back from Calgary is Milan Lucic because Milan Lucic is a throwback Philadelphia Flyer type player, but I don't think they want they to play want that style. No. They don't want to play that style anymore. And Lucic, no, they, don't want, they don't want anybody like that. Right. I, I do agree with though that it's more real to Goudreau. And, um, you know, I nobody, um, despite what people think on Twitter, teams really don't react to kind of the public. But I yeah. do think it had to enter into the Flames thinking that the poll after the season, uh, you know, saying, asking whether or not Goudreau should be traded, it was overwhelming. Uh, yeah. like fans really have turned on him and they've given up on him. And, uh, um, they, you know, that has to color the thinking. Um, yeah, I think so too. I mean, that was a shocking thing. I agree with you completely. Yeah. It was, it was, it, and, and, and then, and like I said earlier, I talked, my source in Calgary, said, you know, they have to trade him. And I was just, they, they don't have to. Why would they have to trade him? He's like, no, they have to trade him. Just I think like they that. Know they can't sign him. That's it. And that made me wonder, you know, what the heck, you know, it's going right. on there. And with two, with, further, with, further. With, with two years left on his contract, you can get close to equal value for him. Whereas if, if you wait another year and he's one year away from unrestricted free agency, then people yeah. realize, okay, you, you know, he's not signing here. He's going to go to market. They, they can sell him now and get close to value, close to the value that he's worth. But Don't the other thing is the devils either on, uh, on him. No, I, I agree with yeah. the devils. But the other thing is they can't blame Goudreau for Monahan's drop either. Cause Monahan has had a precipitous drop. I think the big difference between the Devils and the Flyers, Kevin, is that the Flyers just have more assets to give up. They have they have, they have way more I don't than know about that. It, it depends I, what they're looking for. I I wouldn't. I I think the Rangers, um, De, D'Angelo Gaudreau. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah. I I mentioned this on a podcast. Now I'm totally making this up. So because this is never. <laughs> this is just a theory. That, not not even a theory. This is just. You know, fun talk, but you know, in the uh, you know, just think going back to the days of the Phil Esposito trade, you know, Stanfield and Hodge, and we used to have those kind of trades all the time in the the pre salary cap era and all that. What if you could work something out? Uh, and I, you know, Calgary is not going to trade Monahan, but let's suppose they would, and it was throwing Monahan, and you'd have (laughs) just a huge D'Angelo, um, Bukovic. And you'd have to, there have to be someone like, uh, I don't think they'd give up Heedle, but they have to be someone like Heedle as well. Right. Right. Like, you know, and, and Leah Sanderson, maybe. And, and, and then, you know, it would be interesting to see because, you know, the, the Rangers went out of their way to announce the rebuild. And, but are they, at the point now with the players they have that they want to be the old Rangers and say, let's go for it now. You know, uh, you know, yeah, there, I can tell you Jeff Gordon right? is not that guy. Yeah. So no, but the thing about it is, is they, say there is no. they, they need a number two center and imagine, you know, Monaghan uh, in that. Uh, Derek step on. No, uh, no, <laughs> they're not doing that. I, I'm just joking, but no, I, I, I will give, I'll give, I'll give you one thing though. And all the talk, if you're talking about a team that could use Van Riemsdyk, it's the New Jersey Devils because they have no scoring wingers other than Kyle Palmieri and maybe Gusev. And if you if 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 the Flyers would shave off a couple million off that seven million dollar salary, being a New Jersey native, I think that would work for the Devils and work for the Flyers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Van Reeves likes from Devils country and uh, Goudreau's from Flyers country in New Jersey. New Jersey's like uh, he's split up very much into two different sections. 
So yeah, that is. I mean, it's interesting. You know, everyone says Van Riemsdyk's from New Jersey, and the Flyers. No, he's he's from Devils. He's from Devils country. You know, and Goudreau is, even though he's from New Jersey, is a Flyer. Yeah, Goudreau's dad rink is a half. Not even it's twenty minutes. Yeah, from yeah. My house. Well, I mean, his I, house is probably fifteen minutes from my house. Our so buddy Dan Wallace, who writes for us on the Minnesota Wild, coached in the league against Goudreau as a kid. You know, coach his coached his son yeah. Goudreau's son against against Johnny Goudreau all the time. So, and uh, and and Casper Kapanen was in that league too. So, um, what's Van Riemsdyk's salary? Uh, seven, seven million for three more years. That's 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 a lot of change yeah. to take for a guy who clearly did not look particularly good this year and looked horrific. Yeah. which is the reason why I'm saying Philadelphia would probably have to retain, retain two million to make him a five million dollar player. That's to me, that's still a lot of money on a flat yeah. cap it environment is. to be paying him. It is, no, but that isn't going to happen. They're but they're so they're so far under the cap, Jan, that they have to get to the cap floor. That that might be something that they'd be willing to do. But yeah. Kevin, I wanted the other the other one I wanted to mention because the chatter that continues to and maybe it's just being out there for public consumption, but the chatter that keeps coming up out of St. Louis is that Petrangelo and the Blues are far apart. That the Blues made an offer, yeah. it was in the eight million dollar range, and his agent basically said thanks but no thanks. So if it's going to remain there, maybe That's the, risky, the, man. <laughs> It may narrow a little bit, but if if it, if not, I think he's going to market. He is going yeah. to go to market, but it's still risky. Well, the, I I heard he's even got two teams that he he wants to go to: the Vegas Golden Knights and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. Yeah, and I heard that uh, the team that really might make a pitch after him, which is really interesting because they're not going to re-sign Tory Krug as the Boston Bruins. Yeah, but but you know the thought is on Tory Krug is. Um, for them is is that you know he's already 29 now. Uh, uh, Angelo is 30, um, but he's six foot four, and Tori Krug is five foot eight. Right, and yeah. you know he's a two way guy. Now, yeah. I so is Tori Krug too. I think he gets a bad rap. That he does get a bad rap. He's you know, pretty he's, feisty. He's yeah, he's a competitive guy. You know he's uh, you know like like Brian Rafalski. You know where mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Brian Rafalski was just spunky. Yeah, you know, like uh, he he knew how to ride guys off along the boards, and I think Tory Crew yeah. does that too. But boy, that you know, I, I could see the Bruins going barging in there, and mm -hmm. I think they yeah, could, you know, they could be pretty attractive as well. That's a funny two teams to want to go to, Kevin. Like you know, like that's like <laughs> you were talking about. Like you couldn't get more different. Well, Vegas because I think he sees them as a very good team, and yeah. Toronto because it's Toronto. Yeah, so because it's his home, it's his hometown yeah, team. Right. He played. He played junior, and actually played uh, bantam, and I think junior with John Tavares. Um, but you know, with Vegas, the rumor is if they go after Petrangelo, they would trade Alec Martinez uh, with the one year left at, at four million bucks, or try to trade Paul Stastny with a year left in his contract. Stastny's a hard one, man. Yeah. He, 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 look, he he wins faceoffs. He's good defensively, but he is slow. And with the Leafs, I keep saying if they're in on Peter Petrangelo, they are they are probably trading Neil under to clear space because they don't have enough room to to sign Petrangelo to an eight eight and a half nine million dollar contract unless they move Neil under seven million dollar contract unless unless they're going out and trading for somebody they put on long term injury. For. They are really if they if they do sign Petrangelo and we're assuming it's going to be like a ten million dollar deal. You're talking about another ten million dollar yeah. deal with, with Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, how can that team survive being that top heavy i mean i don't, I don't think it necessarily has to be 10 no right? I, I think it'll be eight and a half to nine yeah i think it'll be in that area it's gonna be a lot of term then 
Yes. I mean, turning down is still, I mean, even, even then, even then we're talking about another major, you know, I mean, no, I, 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 I I wholeheartedly agree. And the, but the thing is, okay, you've got Tavares at 11 million. He's got a no move clause. He's not going anywhere. They're not trading Matthews. They're not trading Marner at almost 11 million. Who's left of that core group? The guy making seven. Neilander. Yeah, but he's, he's, He's not even in that. I, I don't even think of him as like, the other three are so much right. higher. Paid. Yeah. If, if, if you can get him in at 8.5, you're only talking $1.7 million difference. Exactly. No, I get, yeah, I mean, that's true for sure. And, and, but even that, and, but, but, but you you're still know back, amazing. Like, you're still back. Like, even with Nylander, even now, even with just the three guys at $10 million and Nylander. Because this is like got me great. Yeah, I mean, they've got, they, they are, they are not built in a way that NHL teams are built right now. And I think that's going to affect them because I mean, teams have, you know, you need to run four lines. You need to roll that kind of thing. Well, I mean, you know what they're I mean, too much on these three. The, the next, players. the next year or two, they are going to depend on the, uh, like, let's just say the magnetic quality of Toronto and it being a media market to draw in veteran players that, you know, we, we, you know, we saw Spezza last year. You're probably going to see a guy like Wayne Simmons come in for $750,000. They'll probably get a couple more guys like that because that's the, that's the landscape that we, we've seen in the post Dallas world here where they will go out and get Sakura and Perry and, and, you know, veteran players. That's, that's you know, that's what's going to happen. They're going to have to say this, Kevin, you and I, we're at the big house when we saw a 28-year-old Dion Phaneuf get an extension at the Winter Classic. Yeah. And he's younger than yeah. what we're talking about now with Petrangelo. But, oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. But you'd have to say Petrangelo at 30 or 31 is a much better defenseman than Dion Phaneuf ever was. Sure. But if they sign him to the same seven-year deal, you're yeah. probably going to have the same criticism towards you know four years into that deal. Probably. I mean, we, I think yeah. the kind of guy like Sean. We should we should finish up finish up quickly with our prediction. Quick, quick picks for this final here. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go. I'll go first. I'm going to go Tampa Bay in seven because I think that the layoff for Dallas to give them rest and the injuries to Tampa with Sorelli and Point will slow them down. But I think in the eventually in the end, Tampa will be, be the better team and win. All right, um, Russ. I'm going to go Dallas in six. I think Rick Bonus is eating right. He's living right. He's saying all the right things to his team. I listened to his press conference yesterday. He won me over. He The way his guys are all in. Jamie Ben's playing like Jamie Ben again. I, you know, I think they're going to take it to him like the Islanders did, but I think they're going to be even more physical, and I think that could be a problem for Tampa. All right, Jan. I'm going Tampa in seven, though I think razor thin margin between the two of them. I think first, I think the extra day would have helped Tampa even more because they are clearly banged up and a lot of it's dependent on both Sorelli and Point being able to play. I don't think we see yeah. Stamkos at all, but as I said, Bonus has that team playing at a, at a high level. Yeah. I just think that that Tampa's offensive talent is, and also guys from the blue line, Hedman and Sergachev, end up making a slight difference in a game seven. Yeah, Kevin, what do you think? I want to believe in Dallas. I really do. Um, I'm <laughs> real impressed by them, and uh, you know they've improved uh, as a uh, offensive team, which it's almost inexplicable. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know they've played a, a sort of a different kind of bend don't break type uh, yeah. defensive game. Not as good as they played during the regular season, but they found a way to win. Um, they've been physical. They've done a lot right, but boy, Tampa's 
finally got it together. Uh, that's how yeah. I. So I'm I'm going Tampa in six. I I just think there's too much talent, and now I think they understand what's necessary to win. They don't panic if uh, uh, the game's tight uh, late in the third period. Uh, you know they'll just find a way to win it. Uh, yeah, going with Tampa. I've only gotten four predictions wrong in the entire playoffs, and three of them have been betting against Dallas. <laughs> so this is I mean, right now. Four right. Like it's been a tough playoffs for me. It's been a t- I'm, I'm really this is the best playoff I've ever had as far as predictions go. Um and it, so it's really hard for me to sit there and say Tampa again and bet against Dallas again because they are the one team. Um I agree with everything you said, Kevin. I think I do at the core though, I feel like there's something slightly wrong with Tampa and I can't put my finger on it. I, I everybody says they got it together. I don't see it. Um, necessarily as together as they are finding ways to win like Dallas is. I mean, they didn't – they should have taken the Islanders out easier than they did. It was a battle, like, and a half. I, I, I think that I think this is Dallas's year. I'm going with Dallas finally. Then I'll be wrong maybe, but I'm going to go with Dallas in seven. Yeah. You've just, you just, you just cursed the stars. I have. <laughs> All right. Remember, without the buzz, folks, it is just a wonderful weekend, and we will talk.